This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. How seems you? You've been on holiday this week. I have, yeah. Yeah, so I took this, this last week off. We've not been away anywhere, been away anywhere. We've stayed local, uh, but we've done plenty of sort of holiday kind of things around Wellington and travelled out a little bit, but not that far. It's funny, isn't it? Because yeah. imagine if you'd flown from the UK for a holiday in Wellington, that would have been like a huge holiday. Yes. But because yeah. you live there now, it's like, oh, we've not done much. But actually, you've still been in Wellington. I always find that quite a weird little thought to have. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, it's something I've had to remind myself, really, because part of me was sort of feeling like, ah, you know, OK, I've got the week off. We should be like traveling out and, you know, maybe driving across the country and seeing something new or, or doing something that feels, you know, particularly holiday-ish, if you like. And I had to remind myself exactly of that, kind of like, you know, well, there's all this stuff that that was brand new to me on my doorstep now that is still cool. And I should really kind of just enjoy enjoy that because we weren't booked into anywhere. We hadn't done anything to sort of, you know, take ourselves away properly. Mm-hmm. So, and, and actually we had a, a, a few things to get on with and do here that that sort of meant it was better to just kind of do i hate the phrase but it's like a staycation isn't it really you know you're off work but you're you're doing other things sort of thing yeah and yeah doing that here in wellington is still kind of a holiday to us even though we've been living here now for for 18 months you know so yeah it's cool it's cool to sort of recapture some of that 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 kind of initial holiday sort of vibe that we had here when we first came over to visit that was cool it's easily done like i find it here because you know we're not far from the coast and we've got exmoor we've got dartmoor we've got all, all these places that a lot of people in in the uk would consider a holiday destination you know come the summertime the, the place is packed you know with tourists um yet for 98 percent of the time i almost ignore that the fact that all of it's there and just live in my little bubble and just go around doing whatever it is i do yeah yeah it's so close so yeah you kind of do need to take advantage of it and i say this all the time and i always say it in in you know the sense that yes i will start to take more advantage of it and then inevitably i i forget so I'm, i'll say it one more time i need to take more advantage of all this cool stuff on my doorstep <laughs> <laughs> yeah you should you really should i mean like your part of the uk is an area that i used to travel into to go on holiday for all of that you know, it's um, there's there's an awful lot of cool stuff kind of down your way. Uh, I certainly think like the the beaches, sort of from Devon downwards into Cornwall, uh, you know, the best you're going to find in the UK as well. It's funny. I was in Croyd one evening, which is like a if you're not familiar with it, it's like a really little nice little kind of village and beach and everything. And it's a really warm summer's evening, and it just had that really cool just holiday i felt like i was on holiday i mean i had work the next day but i felt like i was on holiday like we'd gone away to like italy or somewhere it could have been that so if if, if the weather's right it's, it's brilliant i guess that's probably why a lot of people go away is to kind of guarantee the weather isn't it yeah yeah i guess so yeah. but i mean we've we've been really lucky here so yeah i think this week really what have i done i've done swimming been in the sea like four or five times and coded actually and, and set up my um my microcast Oh yeah, the microcast. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a new project. That's that's something that I've had kind of bubbling away. As oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. 
for maybe a couple of months now. Uh, I think we were talking about the possibility of me doing it a little while ago. So that that started this week. I I was listening to it and I really like it. Um, but the whole time I was listening to it thinking I couldn't do this basically because I, I don't know if I would be able to talk into a mic like that on my own. I'm able to do this with you because I'm having a conversation yeah. with you and it feels normal. But yeah, I mean, like fair fair play for doing it because I think I would really, really struggle to do that actually just to sit myself down and talk into a into a mic on my own and then put it out there as well. And that's, um, I take my hat off to you. Cheers, dude. It, 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 it does feel weird. Actually, having done this this now, this podcast for the last two years, it feels really, really weird to sort of, uh, yeah, get into that mode and speak on my own and not have you to bounce it off of. <laughs> Actually, so it's kind of a bit sort of like, no, hang on, where's Dave? Uh, <laughs> it must be very, very different. It is. It really is. Uh, it's quite telling, actually, that I started recording this, the, the microcast, uh, in, in a different way to how we record this. So the first few episodes of this microcast, people are going to notice the, the sound quality is different because I'm literally just speaking into my phone. You know, that's kind of how I got over that, that kind of initial mental kind of, oh, how do I talk to myself? Well, I'll just open memos app and take a memo, you know? So that made me kind of just, just get something recorded and something together. Right. I think if I was actually sort of sitting down in front of this microphone and sitting down as if I was going to sort of speak to you, then it would have kind of made it feel a bit more like I, I, I couldn't just go and do it. And um, yeah, so the, the audio quality is not as good on the first few episodes as, as it is now I've started using this equipment. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I've got it done. I guess it's like, I know when we first started talking about doing this show, from my point of, point of view, I, I, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but I was hesitant to do a, to, just to do a podcast at all. I knew I wanted to do it, but there was still that element of kind of fear and hesitation just because... I'd never really spoken into a mic before. I've never really put anything out there much before, um, especially my own voice. That was a little bit weird. And I found that I kind of used the process of looking at reviews for mics and USB audio interfaces almost as a procrastination tool. Yeah. So I guess just you opening up the phone and going for it was probably a good way to kind of nip that in the bud maybe and just just do it essentially. Yeah. And it it also meant that I felt like I could kind of record – you know, five five minutes or so wherever I was as well. Yeah. So there's there's one that I recorded in a smaller office at work. And listening to it back, I really wish I'd had a better microphone for it because it's picked up every single bit of background noise. <laughs> um, but you, you can still hear me. And with a bit of sort of editing, it won't sound too bad. I don't know. I would maybe embrace that. It's part of it. It's definitely part of it. It's kind of like the whole like vlogging thing that you see on on YouTube, like Casey Neistat, the way he just like picks up his camera as if he, you know it looks like it's not really professional. Although I'm fairly certain most of it's kind of choreographed quite a lot, but it's it's kind of that perfect imperfection in a way. Um, yeah, you know, it's almost like he's just wandering down the street, kind of haphazardly with his camera pointing at him, and he's just having a chat. And it's kind of it's almost like you're along for the ride. And I yeah. think maybe if you know if every time you have your microcast and there's just random noises going on in the background it's almost like it feels more like a day in the life of, of what you're up to so i don't know i don't know if i'd necessarily stress about getting all the noises out too much like that no no and and it really kind of is like you said 
a, a day in the life of that is kind of the sort of vibe I'm kind of going for with the microcast. Yeah. And I should probably actually introduce people to what this microcast actually is. That'd be an idea, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the development that we spoke about a little while ago that I've sort of started doing on my, my side projects, uh, where I'm kind of trying to just put a little bit of time away and just incrementally chip a little bit of development off this this kind of list of small app ideas that I've got. I kind of realized that I should probably document what I'm up to. And I thought, well, okay, how do I go about doing this? And we can't, it's not necessarily something that we're going to speak about on this podcast each and every week. And it probably doesn't make sense for me to kind of do that in some ways because it's, uh, you know, what I'm up to there is, is, is quite a specific project actually in some ways and we can catch up about it here and that's, that's great. That's cool. Um, but, but doing sort of incremental updates or whatever, I think people get a bit fed up with it here. Uh, but, to do these sort of smaller kind of updates that are just documenting what I'm up to, that's that's what the microcast is about. And, you know, the, the updates are about maybe between five and ten minutes long. And it's, it's more just a case of sort of going, well, okay, I want to kind of put these apps into the app store, and I've definitely got a bit of a process. So now that I'm starting at the beginning with this sort of development, let's try and document that process. And so that's essentially what the microcast is about. It's about me developing uh, software products and then releasing them into the wild. And I, I kind of frame it like that because I'm aware that if this is something that I keep doing um, in the course of time, it might not always be iOS. It might not always be specifically about putting things into the app store. I'm kind of giving myself sort of freedom to sort of see where this goes in the course of time. Uh, certainly right now that is definitely where it's focused and it's likely to be focused like that for for the foreseeable, but I'm kind of leaving things uh, quite open in terms of what the microcast defines itself to be as being about just what I'm up to in terms of making products. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where it's at. And a microcast for me and, and is easier and better to fit in than trying to take the time to sort of blog about it and, and write in-depth articles about this this kind of incremental approach that I'm taking. It's easier to just sit down and talk into a mic and give the update to the, as it's happening yeah. than it is to kind of try and, you know, make a, a, a sort of, you know, something that's going to go viral across medium or whatever. That's, that's not really where I'm at. So, I mean, I may write up different bits of the process and do some of that on my blog, uh, but at this stage, this sort of like updates and kind of capturing the process, it's easier to just do it as a microcast. And I think perhaps a bit more, bit more honest in some ways, because I'm literally just kind of saying, you know, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm working on. And this is how I'm going about it. I think that's one of the benefits of the medium, isn't it? Of podcasting is, is that it's a very informal kind of medium and that you can just talk into a mic in a very conversational manner. And then you've got a result. Whereas if you were to open up pages and start writing out a blog post or something, then you start editing and tweaking. And then before you know it, four hours has gone by and you still don't have a post yet. Yep. Whereas like you say with a, with a podcast, I think, it, yeah. If, if, if I was going to try and re recreate the content that we sort of speak every week in this podcast, if I was going to try and do that in blog form, I think I would have given up long ago. Um, or yeah. there would just be less of it because I find it just takes me so, so long to blog. Um, I guess that's probably why I always fall off the wagon every time I try and do it. Um, 
But yeah, no, I think I think it's cool. Um, I think you should definitely keep up with it. Have you got a, a schedule that you're going for with it? Or is it just kind of as and when? It's At the moment, it's very much as and when, just to sort of make sure that it's still fun and it's something that I, I just do. Uh, but I do kind of have a, a view of, I'm going to attempt to try and get at least a couple of episodes out a week as it sort of makes sense to, to do so. I mean, if I have like a, a week where I'm, you know, I'm on holiday or things have just been too busy for what I'm up to or whatever, I'm not going to stress about only putting out one episode or letting it, it lapse for a week or whatever. That That's not the point. Uh, but as it stands at the moment, I've got a backlog of, of small episodes as I've gone through January. And so with that, it sort of feels like I can probably just keep rolling for a little while and, and kind of leave myself you know, maybe three or four episodes as a buffer mm-hmm. and then just kind of keep rolling out a couple of episodes a week. So as sometimes it may make sense for me to kind of drag that all the way up to real time and kind of be a bit more, um, a bit quicker in terms of like, uh, I've worked on this and that straight out as the microcast. And I think maybe when I get to sort of releasing one of the apps, it's going to make more sense to kind of be real time with the, with the microcast. But, We'll we'll see. So yeah, um, a couple of episodes a week, and it that's going to be variable. I mean, I'll, I'll probably put them out on similar days, and that might sort of settle into being a scheduled thing. But it's certainly not going to be a, a sort of hard promise, if you like. If if it's late by a day off that, then so be it. That's that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, link in the show notes, I suppose. Um, what have you called it? Iterate. Iterate, yeah, which initially I thought, yeah, that's, that's uh, super original, super good. And then I went and Googled after I'd set everything up oh, no. um, and found that there were there were a few. Uh, <laughs> so there, there are some prior podcasts out there with that name in the title, but this is the only one that's dubbed a microcast. Cool. Awesome. Well, I guess we'll, um, yeah, we'll check in and talk about it, I guess, as, um, as you move forward with it. So analytics has been in the news this last week in terms of app analytics. Mm. I think it was a company called, um, is it Glassdoor? I can't remember the or specifics. Glass window rather. Yeah, something about like the possibility of them being able to record your screen. Yeah. Is, um, yeah, so, that made me a little bit uncomfortable to read the story. For me, it didn't really matter. I wasn't too like worried about what they were up to. It just kind of made me think in general about sort of analytics in apps because this is the thing right the technology itself is not necessarily awful or bad that's it's how it's used and and it's in what type of application yeah i don't know i mean it just made me think back really because i know we were both using things like fabric weren't we um probably roll the clock back a year or so yeah um obviously i don't have any apps in the store at all at the moment um i guess i'm kind of on a hiatus if you will but then it made me just kind of bubbled up that question again of when I do finish up development on ReadList and I want to put it out there, would I would I put analytics in it? I don't I don't know. Um would you? Well this sort is of in light of, of things like this or in light of things like this, this is what kind of makes me feel uneasy. Um and again it's one of those things, isn't it, with fabric, because you could just put it in your app and you know, you could it's just there then. Um I think at the very yep. least I would have to have like an onboarding where I ask people yep. if they were you know cool with it. But yeah, I think that the position I reached with um, my last sort of main app in the app store armchair that I had, 
um, that was my remote control for Cody, I just, I, I never really felt I had enough users to get a clear picture to really make the the analytics worthwhile. The only thing yep. I really did like was that I could track when in-app purchases were done and I could get the data in real time versus having to like wait a day for iTunes Connect. Right. That, that was kind of like the, the only decent thing I really took from it. Um, I never really managed to get much in the way of insights just because I think my sample size was too small. But then yep. when I look at what I want to achieve with ReadList, I mean, I'd love it to become a super popular app and I think it potentially could be because rather than with my remote control for Kodi, which is obviously very niche and only applicable to those people that have Kodi and have an iPhone and want to control Kodi with their iPhone. It that's very niche, right? So it's not not surprising yep. that, that there weren't many, you know, huge numbers of downloads. Um but then when I think about read list, it's it's very wide appeal. So that made me kind of reconsider the question of would analytics be a good thing again and I was sort of leaning towards yes, although it made me feel a little bit a little bit weird. I don't know. I just want what kind of thought I'd bounce it off you really see what, what your thoughts on it are now because now it kind of feels a bit yeah. different. We're in like a post GDPR world and, you know, maybe should be thinking about things a lot differently. So it's funny. I think GDPR certainly heralded this sort of like refocus on, you know, what's going on here and, and it kind of uh, nudging things to a situation where developers should be being upfront with users in terms of like what they're using and everything else. Uh, it's certainly like Mark sort of this the beginning of this era. Uh, I think it's fair to say that outside of the EU, I don't think um, uh, many people are, are really necessarily embracing GDPR as a thing they do everywhere. You know, there's a definite difference, I think, between the type of internet you're going to be served in the EU versus in America now, because a lot of places are actually just switching. Uh, um, a kind of GDPR mode on, you know, and I, okay, we need to do things this way here, but if we think you're in America, we'll do things the old way. Uh, so it's, it's kind of interesting. I'd like to say, I think for people inside of the EU, and, and with this, I have to include the UK as well, because GDPR is applied to the UK um, as uh, just as much as any other part of, of the EU, because Brexit isn't done yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, under under that, um, that, and with that, it's it's sort of meant that, that you know this kind of asking permission first and and making sure that people have consented to the use of their data. That is what you have to do, and that the knock on of that is now starting to filter through to how uh, app developers have to behave. And I think analytics packages have have kind of ran under the radar of that a little bit. Just in terms of, like you say, with Fabric, you just you add a few lines and it's there. That's it. You know, you don't really have to think. And you think, well, okay, that that's that's just crash reporting. You know, I want to know when my app crashes. I'm, it's going to help me make better software if I know, what, you know, what line a particular crash um, has been caused by. So it, instantly Fabric, you can argue, is is justifiable use of data. And it's really, really lightweight. Uh, but the fact is, there's, there's no opt-in on that if you've just added one line to add the SDK. Mm. And it, it doesn't really matter whether you sort of think, well, okay, it's anonymized and et cetera, et cetera. I think in the spirit of, of kind of being responsible with users' data, there comes a point where you should be asking them permission. You should be letting them know that this is a thing that you're doing. 
And I think having that detail buried in the privacy policy isn't enough because that relies on sort of saying, well, okay, you know, the notice about this is over here. And if you've not read it, well, shame on you. But the fact is, is that most privacy policies from a lot of the bigger companies and bigger apps are like a sort of laundry list of um, legal terms, right? So you're looking through and sort of going, well, I don't really know what this means or whether this is applying to me. So for something like analytics, where you are literally just recording what the user is up to in one form or another, uh, explicit consent really is becoming a thing that that needs to happen. And and what's happened now in the last week with um, this SDK recording people's actual screens and sending videos of that off, there's been this sort of knock-on of, of, I think, Apple's been uh, booting a few apps out of the store for this kind of more heavy-handed sort of tracking. So it's, it's not just been like the, the a couple of apps that have been booted because of it. I think there's been a few, hasn't there? I think so. Um, yeah, I think there were several apps that were potentially doing it. Yeah, it's bothersome, isn't it, I suppose? Um, <laughs> yeah. That's probably the best way I can put it. It's um, Yeah, it, it just feels like we're in this weird, like, kind of wild, wild west kind of space at the minute where we just keep hearing about these terrible things like in terms of privacy and i don't know whether that's because we're more now we're now more sensitive towards like privacy topics again possibly as a result of uh you know gdpr and kind of like there's been like a reawakening of you know privacy awareness as a result of that so i don't know yep. whether now things are getting more traction in the press and generally made to be a bigger deal than perhaps they once were i don't know it I might think just so. be yeah yeah i I don't know. It just seems like there's there's always something at the moment, and it's just yeah, it's a, it's a real shame. I appreciate having analytics. You know, I, I think that that the user should be um, fully informed as to what's going on. But as a developer, or as somebody sat on the other side of the fence, it's great to kind of have that bit more granular understanding of well, has anybody actually touched this screen? You know, has anybody ever pressed that button? All that sort of stuff that it's fantastic because you can sort of start to make more informed decisions after that, or even just being able to sort of say, well, okay, uh, how many people are using iOS 9, 10, 11, whatever, you know, being able to look at your sort of um, your actual usage uh, and kind of say, well, okay, if I bump the SDK up to the latest version, do I leave behind 2%, 5%, 50% of my, my user base, you know, that sort of stuff is very, very useful, but I think the user has to be king here. You know, it has to be a case of the, the, um, yeah, that a user is fully informed as to what's going on. I mean, don't Apple give you some analytics anyway? They do. They do. I mean, I haven't obviously logged into iTunes Connect in a serious amount of time now, so I'm not really familiar with what the, <laughs> what the state of play is when you log in there. But I remember you got some stuff um probably nowhere near as as much as a lot of people would want i would imagine um yeah just because apple and privacy etc but do, do you find you can get that kind of stuff from the analytics there that's there now not in the same level of detail there's always this this percentage that you might be missing you know you have to look at the this stuff in um in app store connect and think well okay how far is it off you know what is the chunk? What are the chunk of people who have said no, thank you, 
to analytics when they first sort of saw that that screen to opt in or out oh, of uh, course. on the yeah, ios yeah. update yeah i forgot about that yeah yeah so you've got a big gigantic kind of black hole um that's depending on your uh niche with your app or or the market that it's serving could be bigger or smaller than average as well and i, I wouldn't like to tell you exactly what i think the the um that that sizing is i think when i've ran when i was running fabric in one of my apps the difference between that and the stats i was seeing in fabric on any given sort of week if you like with could be off by as much as sort of 55 percent at which point you're not even seeing you know half of your user base from app store connect so it gives you an indication it gives you indicative results, but it doesn't give you much that you can necessarily take a full action off right. because there's always that gnawing kind of, well, okay, if I do this, am I actually just operating on, on the type of users who will click yes to the opt-in? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose I probably would. I think if I had a lot of users, then... That's the thing, isn't it? Because when you have a lot of users for an app, then I think analytics can become more valuable because it's not only just looking at crash reporting through something like Fabric. You can set up triggers in the app so you can see how many people go and do this and then how many go and do that. So you yep. can then hopefully make informed decisions on making the app better. Um, and I found, with, like I said, with Armchair, my sort of sample size was too small. So maybe I would see a little spike and think, oh, I should, you know, go that direction but actually the number of people that represented wasn't a lot but in the case of an app that has quite a lot of users i could i could see myself being persuaded although i would definitely have to i feel like i'd have to be upfront about the analytics with um with my users yeah and i think if you were to be upfront about it and have like a, a direct opt-in when the user first loads up the app and then somewhere in the settings configuration where you can turn it off as well yeah then i think that would be about right and you know don't use don't use a product that records the user screen (laughs) Uh, maybe and also i think maybe be um considerate and careful about the type of analytics events that you create so i think it's fair enough to sort of say okay i want to know how many people are um reaching this screen so i'm going to tag that in one way or another i'm going to create an event on the button that accesses the screen or i'm going to record the screen names that are are in use uh but don't necessarily you don't necessarily want to be recording personal or identifiable data in those events Mm -hmm. i think to remain sort of in the spirit of we only need this to to know things to help us improve the app then I think you need to be careful not to to sort of include user data in, in amongst that as well. So just as an example, with ReadList, you've got user data about uh, when they're accessing the apps at times of day. That could potentially be, be, you could argue it's useful with all of these things to know it, but I think in the broader sense of, of things, if you're just trying to decide about features and those features are not to do with the, uh, yeah, time specific events or whatever then you don't need to know uh that what time of day it is in their time zone when they're they're using the app for example so you don't need to record specifics around that sort of thing uh you don't need to record the sites that they're visiting that would be a very very big one 
and one that I think you could argue kind of helps you sort of build up things like um, if you're using any API that's in your control to help guide the app, then you know maybe initially you do want to record the uh, the sites that people are, are, are recording and browsing in Readlist because that'll help you kind of know which ones to include first in an index or something that the app is talking to. But again, that uh, but could be anonymized, couldn't it? It could be anonymized, and maybe you only want the top-level domain. Yeah. Yeah, you don't necessarily, because if you go down a step further than that, you're sort of going, okay, it's, I know who's reading very specific articles, and that, that, that there's a point where that becomes kind of creepy. So <laughs> I guess that's my, my kind of, uh, my litmus test for this is, how would I feel to know that somebody's recording this data about me? And then to expand that a step further, you know, how would uh, some, I've got various people I think of in my life who maybe care about certain things more than I do. And I sort of think, well, how would they feel about this? And if the answer is they're feeling creepy, then I have to think, well, maybe dial it back a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think if your if your response is, well, generally I don't really care what anybody's recording on me, whatever, well, there'll be somebody in your life who does and probably tells you about these things. Uh or you come across them on Twitter or whatever. So imagine how that person would react to it. You yeah. know, it's the kind of thing that you've got to build for uh a sort of almost a worst case scenario, if you like, of of what this means. And and if you don't have a firm standing on it yourself well well yeah judge it against somebody who who perhaps think cares about it more than you uh and i think if you do that then you'll sort of sit within the kind of side of the good if you like in terms of like whether you're going to end up unwittingly um breaking some of the gdpr rules or even apple's policy as well because it feels like the, the the policy for the app store is kind of a moving target here as well so what might have been okay a year ago two years ago five years ago uh next year could sort of see more apps being kicked out of the app store yeah because you know the, the line of travel that apple's going on seems to be uh yeah we're not going to tolerate uh uninformed on, on consent about recording user data i think is the key sort of message that I'm, I'm seeing here certainly not over the long term i think if they kicked out everybody who's not asking permission for fabric for example then there would be an awful lot of apps uh needlessly kicked out of the app store in a lot of ways mm. what's the deal with fabric now is that owned by google Ooh, so it got I bought by google quite a long time ago didn't it and then it just stayed as fabric and I think, hasn't it got merged into Firebase? So, yeah, it's getting closer and closer to Firebase. So, right. yes, it is Google-owned. And, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> Not sure if I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that, that's also the other side of it. Unless you're, unless you're rolling your own, you will be feeding into one of these bigger companies that are doing other things with that data. So that's part of the deal. If yeah. you're using Fabric, then Google is increasing its view of app analytics and that data. Well, you need to read their privacy policy in depth, wouldn't you, to fully understand what they were trying to do? Yeah. And then yeah. would it be one of those privacy policies that you read and then you just, and none the wiser, are having just read it? 
I reckon so. And that, that's the other thing is that if you're using something like that, you need to be linking out to their privacy policy in your privacy policy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of giving users that sort of knowledge of, okay, well, uh, I use this app and it actually means that this this data is flowing from here to here and kind of cover off those bases as well. Yeah. So it's, it's something that for my smaller apps, especially, I just, I don't want the hassle. If I don't do it, then I don't have to care about oh yeah, asking users for it or anything like that. I don't even have to care about having extra lines in the, the privacy policy for it. I can just move on. Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button, that will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFR Podcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads. That's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com. Again, that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave? You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore DaveNot. 